Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. If not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. So now we come... Uh, to chapter 5 in this great book of James, this great book of James, so practical. And as we've seen from chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, James has been talking about the centrality of prayer in our life, prayer when we have quarrels, prayer in our relationship with our Lord, prayer in our relationship with one another. For anyone we love, we have to pray through those things, pray uh, essential to any struggles that we go through. And so, as he said, you know, prayer is everything. And then um, we come to chapter 5, and as we ended chapter 3, I mean chapter 4, we were, it was talking about, you know, chapter 4 seemed to me to be this great uh, chapter on our relationships, our relationships with our Lord, our relationships with one another. And one thing about our relationship that he seemed to land on at the end of chapter four was boasting. You know, you can't boast about anything. You know, you can't even say, I'm going to go here or there, uh, you know, and I'm going to do some business over here, do business over there. I'm going to go on a trip. I'm going to do this. He says, you can't even boast about that because, you know, what is your life? You're just a mist. You know, here today, literally gone tomorrow. You can't say you're going to do anything. Why? Because it's the Lord's will that you'll even be alive. You know, tomorrow you may be dead and that's nothing you un- have any control over. You know, and so basically James is, is sort of landing on the on our timing, on our sense of, you know, what time is to us. It's all God. God's in control. God's sovereign. So we can't do anything without God, you know. And so in terms of looking at just the timing of who we are and what we do with the time that we have here, that uh, the time on our earth is a relationship. The time that we have literally is about God, not about us. It's 100% Him because it's 100% dependent on Him. It's 100% uh, under his sovereignty. We think it's about us. We think we're in control. But James is saying, you can't do anything without God. Your relationship is 100% on him. And so then he carries this from, you know, and how many times do we think, do we forget 
God's timing. Maybe sometimes when we're sick and we're, we realize all the, the plans that we have come to a crashing halt, it's nothing like a big illness to change your priorities, right? But now we're in chapter 5, and I think it's very interesting because he is talking about the rich. Now, remember back in chapter 1 in verse 9 and 10, uh, he was talking about the rich there too. And I think chapter 5 is sort of circling back on to me on chapter 1. And so let's jump back chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and let the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. And so it's a picture of a busy person, maybe a rich person, and he's busy in life, and he's, he's, got, his, he's got his checklist, he's got a bunch of pursuits, you know. And it, and it circles back to what he's talking about at the end of chapter 4, starting in verse 13, talking about you can't boast about anything. You can't boast about going here or there or doing things like your pursuits. So it's like he's in the end of chapter 4, verse 13, he's sort of expanding on what he opened up in chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. You can't boast about anything. It's all 100% God. And so then he expands on the person a little bit. In terms of being a wealthy person, you think you're so great, or you have, you have wealth, or you have possessions. He says, you know, back in chapter 1, the only thing that the rich person can even boast on is their humiliation. Okay, now what does that mean, you know? And we talked about this before when we were going through uh, chapter 1. But it's, you know, the lowly person can, can boast, you know, in the fact that they're going to be exalted by God, you know? It says the lowly brother can boast in his exaltation. And again in chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. You know, the, the humble person can boast in their exaltation because they can boast that God is going to use their low position to be lifted up, to be exalted by him like Christ. And that's something you can boast about that, 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 you know, that's the only thing you can hang your hat on. And he's talking about boasting, not in the, in the sinful sense, like boasting is a, is a, a prideful condition. But if you have anything that you can talk about with any confidence, it's the fact that if you're in a low position, God's put you there. God's sovereign, over, sovereign over that position, and he will use that position for his leverage and his advantage to advance his kingdom. Other people can see you in your low position and your faith in God's ability to exalt you and lift you like he lifted Christ, like we see Christ's faith as he trusted in the Father to exalt him, to lift him up through his humility. Christ's low position shows that nothing separates us from the Father. So if you have anything that you can give confidence on, you can say that that low position is there for the purposes of God's kingdom, just like Christ was. Now he says to the rich person, and he's tying this back into chapter 1, 
Verse 10, the rich, the only thing they can talk about with confidence is humiliation. In other words, being lowered. Okay? You're going to be lowered if you're wealthy. That's all you can hang your head on. You know your life is nothing but a mist. As he says this over and over, he's, he compares um, our life in chapter 4. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time. That's chapter 4, 14. And he's talking about a flower is going to wither and pass away, uh, chapter 1, verse 11. So we're, you know, again, the only thing you can really hang your head on is you're not here for a very long time. You're not really important in the scope of things. You may think you are, but again, it's your sense of timing as to what, what you're all about. The only thing you can say with any confidence is that you're not going to be here. Who boasts about tomorrow? The only thing you can say for sure is you're not going to be here for much longer. That's all. The only thing you can boast on is the relationship with the Lord. It's 100% Him. It's not anything about you at all or your pursuits or your perspective on life, your philosophies. The only thing you can say, and if you're wealthy... The only thing you can say is with 100% confidence is you're not going to be here very long either. So if you've got to boast, if you've got to say stuff with confidence, it's that you're in a higher position so that all can see what it looks like when a wealthy person becomes lowered. And the wealthy person at the, their funeral is just as poor as the poor person right next to them at their funeral. And the wealthy person at their funeral is just as rich as the poor person laying right next to them at the funeral. They're all the same. The wealthy person can't take it with them. They're humiliated in the fact that everything they worked for was for nothing at the end. And that's God's sovereignty. God's using the higher position of the wealthy person to show others that it doesn't come to anything. That's what he's talking about. Whether you're rich or you're poor, the only thing you can boast in is in the Lord. Whether you're rich or poor, the only thing you can say is, is you're nothing but a mist. You're not going to be here very long. So God uses the rich person's higher position, the low person's lower position, for his kingdom's leverage, for, for illustrating his sovereignty. So chapter 5, verse 1, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming to you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Now you say, well, you know, are they rotting right now? Well, no. But on God's timetable, you know, what do you think about all the rulers back in Babylon and in Egypt? All their riches are gone. They're all gone. They didn't matter. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Everything you've saved up turns to dust. It all decays. Nothing lasts. You have laid up treasure in the last days. It's interesting that the evidence against you is what you're laying up your treasure for. What are you? What are I, what am I? What are we all laying up our treasure for right now? Is our treasure something tangible or is our treasure something immortal? The only treasure you have is your relationship with the Lord. And remember, 
back in chapter 4, verse 5, he yearns jealously for your spirit to love him like he loves you. But the gold and the silver and the possessions and all the plans that you lay up in life, that's evidence against you. That's what your heart was centered on. So we've got to make sure our hearts are 100% centered on Christ so that all this stuff is not evidence against us. You say, oh, but Lord, I was always believing. Well, look at the evidence of what your life accumulated. You've laid up treasure in the last days. Verse 4, behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. So not only are the things that you're laying up evidence against you, but the things you did with them, the the actions that you took. Were you honest about things to try to get your possessions or were you fraudulent about it? Those things are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. In other words, your actions will be evidence against you in the Lord's eyes. Not only the things that you've done, but also the way that you've lived. Verse 5. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fatted your hearts in a day of slaughter. Again, it comes back to the heart. And we were talking about the hearts last time in chapter 4. Cleanse, this is chapter 4, verse 8. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And that chapter 4 was all about talking about prayer. And we were talking about how important prayer was yesterday to cleanse us, to clean our hearts, redirect our hearts so that our hearts are 100% on him. You fatted your hearts. Your hearts aren't centered on him because they're centered on yourself in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, verse 6, chapter 5, you've condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. So you have condemned, you've murdered, you've committed all kind of sin and fraud against the righteous person. Now, this could be talking about a righteous person that these people are dealing with, but he's also talking about the righteous person, Jesus Christ. Because if your heart's not 100% on Jesus Christ, it's on yourself It's on man's sinful nature. And it's man's sinful nature, man's sin. The sin that people crave, for whatever reason, the sin of yourself condemned and murdered Jesus Christ. Rejected Christ because they wanted more for themselves. And we have to be careful because whatever we think or say or do is evidence is evidence as God judges us in this warning to the rich. Whatever you lay up, whatever your efforts are, that's evidence on where your heart is. So don't fatten your heart with your self-indulgences or your self-motivation type of things. Cleanse your hearts and purify your hearts through prayer, through your relationship with your Lord. Otherwise, it's all about yourself. And remember, the only thing you can say with confidence or in any boasting is the fact that yourself doesn't matter. You're going to be gone tomorrow.
So what a powerful, um, what a powerful um, teaching here. And is is uh, we open chapter five. Uh, so far, uh, the theme, you know, I'm thinking, you know, chapter four was prayer. Chapter five, perhaps, is the timing, the timing of our life, the time that we have in our life and putting it in perspective. So for me to all of you, God bless you. We'll see you next time here as we continue our study in this powerful book of James. What a beautiful, what a just a tremendous um, book James is for us and so, so relevant for us today. Uh, Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're just loving this as much as me. So God bless you all. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And we'll see you here tomorrow. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from James chapter 5, beginning at verse 1 all the way to verse 6. So James here is not condemning riches in this um, particular chapter. So riches in themselves are not um, immoral. They are not moral either. They are um just amoral or unmoral, um, as put by some people. So the Bible does not condemn money. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And then the problem is not in the coin, but in the heart of um, a man and a woman. You know, you can. There's a saying that uh, that goes. You know, uh, you know the true colors of a man by um, giving him money. You know, it's in the heart. You know, when you give a man money, how does he behave? So James here is not condemning people. Here, uh, he's just, it's just that because, you know, he's not condemning people just because they're actually rich. It's um, their relationship to the riches and how they got those riches and what they do um, with the riches after they get it. You know, how they spend their money or how they got their riches. So um, the Lord Jesus Christ had a lot to say about money and riches and you know there are two parables that were given by um, Jesus Christ and these will help us to understand what James is saying and then there is you know a third parable about you know the unjust steward steward rather who worked for a rich man and the rich man condemned him for his dishonesty so um you know, we have the story of um, Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16, verse 19. And, you know, where there's the beggar and the rich man, and the beggar was Lazarus. And this parable has to do with how the rich man made it, you know, to that particular position. So he was living very, very well. And Lazarus, you know, obviously he was put at the rich man's gate for a reason. So Lazarus was put at the gate because somehow the rich man was actually responsible for Lazarus's position. He was responsible and the rich man let Lazarus have the crumbs from um, his table and the dogs would lick the beggar's sores. Lazarus was a beggar, you know, with sores and he was um, at the rich man's gate. So it was how that rich man actually got rich. That is the whole point. God is not condemning, you know, money in itself. So, and and obviously, you know, there's a reason for Lazarus being placed at the rich man's gates. You know, um, the rich man is obviously responsible. And, you know, that makes him somehow responsible for the beggar's condition, for the condition that Lazarus is in. Who knows, maybe the rich man, you know, obtained 
uh, his riches in a dishonest way and you know at the end of the day it caused suffering for this poor man who you know would have um, been something or made something out of you know a particular situation we don't know but here we just have the story of Lazarus and the rich man Lazarus sitting at the rich man's gate so Jesus Christ gave another parable in uh, Luke 12 about the rich man who built um, a bigger barns to store his grain and Jesus Christ never condemned this man for being rich now he just stated it as a fact and you know from the outward appearance he was a good man you know this man was a good man the man was a rich man who made an honest living and but the problem is he hoarded his money because he wanted to actually use it in his old age and he gave no thought to eternity you know it's like um one of the verses we had read early on um in our study um where we plan like we we you're planning like we're going to be at this and this place at this and this time you know you don't put god in it you don't say you know if the the will of god allows it you just plan and that was this man you know he was hoarding his riches because you know he didn't give thoughts he didn't put god in his plans he didn't give a thought to eternity he just hoarded the riches so that he could enjoy it in his old age and jesus christ called him a fool as he was selfish and he was hoarding his money for himself and this is a form of idolatry as well you know um you know you you keep things and you worship these things so covetousness is idolatry it's the worship of things and then there's also today uh, in our modern setup there's selfishness you know there's a worship of self you know it's all about you and you know it's actually encouraged today you know in modern liberal churches you know like oh hey you know have confidence in yourself believe in yourself have self belief and you know tell yourself every day you know you're good you're going to make it and all this is also just another form of um you know worship self worship and uh, selfishness is where you worship yourself and a lot of this is going on today you know we tend to see this you know there's a lot of programs on tv today talking about like oh hey you know um know your self worth have this and that you know it's about you 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 then you know then we also have the parable of the unjust steward and we see the wise use of money by christians so god holds man responsible for how he makes and spends his money today so um verse 1 sorry reads um come now you rich weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you um so here he's not condemning um he's condemning he's not condemning money and all he's condemning the, like how that money you know transforms these people transforms the rich people so the rich who James is condemning here are um uh, like here they are the um, they're not the godly rich um like he's not like is it the godly rich or the un- ungodly rich so here um dr mcgee's opinion is that they are the godless sorry they are the godless rich it's not the, um you know because you find people who are like um they're rich and you know they they go to church and all um there's nothing wrong with having money um but it's it's, it's how you obtain your money and how you use that money in the end how you spend that money and then you also have the godless rich who just feel like um they just don't need god so why does james turn from talking to you know the godly you know in all the other verses and chapters that we've been reading um to addressing the godless so he actually doesn't change he's still speaking to the godly because as he speaks to the ungodly he's telling the godly so he's still speaking to the godly but he's telling the like he's speaking 
about the godless, but he's talking to the godly that they li- um, they live in a godless world where the godless rich will actually impose certain hardships on them. Hence, Lazarus sitting at the gate of this rich man because of how the rich actually obtain their riches or how they are using their money and how they take advantage of the poor and, you know, you get overtaxed, you just, you know, you've just got so many burdens and, and, and how we will be at the mercy of these, you know, wicked rich men who actually just don't know God at all. So Jesus Christ had said in the world, you shall have trials, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. So the godly are to be patient in these circumstances, knowing that God will deal with the godless rich in eternity uh, but not here. And we actually have this in verse 6 of James chapter 5. It reads, you have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. So right now, you know, there's no condemnation. You know, they feel they are getting by, but, you know, God's judgment is actually going to come. So verse 2 of uh, James chapter 5 reads, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Verse 3, your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. So people are hoarding onto money because they're covetous, they're selfish. And, you know, eventually, you know, all these things, it's, it's vanity. You know, they'll, they'll fade. You get all these expensive clothes, really nice fine linen and apparel. And, you know, eventually it's just going to... Go to dust. You know, you leave all these things behind. So verse 4 goes on to read, Indeed, the wages of the laborers who moved your fields, oh, sorry, who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Saboah. Saboath, sorry. Um, you have lived in on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter you have condemned and have murdered and and murdered the just he does not resist you so they're getting by right now here you know a lot of questions arise and say you know why do um god's people suffer but you know that day is coming you know they're living here but for a short time you know god is coming and he's coming to reign in righteousness and he has a lot to say about the poor and they will get a fair deal so david was actually troubled by this as well if we go to psalms 37 verse 35 um it reads i have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. So David was actually troubled by this as well. And, um, you know, verse 7 of the same chapter 35 reads, um, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. So, rest in the Lord. That was that's David's encouragement. So David is talking about, you know, the godless rich here. And it bothered him until, you know, he went to the temple and saw that in time God would actually deal with all this. God was going to deal with all this. He was going to come through for um the the poor. So verse 1, I'll read it again, verse 1 of chapter 5. James reads, "Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your misery." That's 
your miseries that are coming upon you. So James is speaking to the rich in his day, in that particular day, the godless rich or, you know, it's also application to, you know, a future time, a future day. So he's giving a warning to the rich in this, in his day, and it has application to our day as well. So when James wrote this, you know, the destruction of Jerusalem was actually coming and it was in uh, 70 AD, you know, and Titus, the Roman came and destroyed Jerusalem as it had never been destroyed before because he hated both the Christians and the Jews and they were both in that city. And when he got through, there were no rich Jews left. It's either, you know, they were killed or they were put into slavery and all their riches were destroyed and they were actually lost or confiscated. And Jesus Christ had said this, you are going to see Jerusalem encompassed with armies. And this was actually fulfilled. This was a prophecy that actually came to pass. Verse 2 of James chapter 5 reads, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth eaten and this is what exactly happened in light of jesus christ's coming they were warned that all the riches of the world will um you know will amount to nothing and this would not impress you know a rich man this is a message that does not impress a rich man at all you know you tell him you know the riches will amount to nothing and um because man by nature is like just um wicked and man is just um greedy and it's a message that wouldn't impress a rich man um, in that day, nor today as well. Uh, and they didn't heed that as, you know, um, he would know that the future is uncertain. You know, it's a message that, you know, is not palatable for anybody who is rich. So, you know, for him in that day, as, um, as we may actually see it today, you know, if you should tell a rich man today, you know, uh, you know, if you're just not certain, all these, you know, your riches will be moth-eaten and all, you know, your gold will rust and all, they do not want to hear that. So today we actually see it. So there is a danger of panic, you know, um, a crash, you know, a drought, um, a depression, you know, so many things that um, the order of the day, and, and this is the order of the day since men started to actually make money. So they have been you know, good and bad years, you know, where you see, it's just a cycle, you know, today someone's rich, you know, this, and then, you know, their life is just, oh, they're living smooth sailing and living it up, and then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's a crash in the stock market, and, you know, things just don't go well, and, you know, that's the danger that's there today. Verse 3 goes on to read, your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire you have heaped up treasures in the last days so here sylvan goes rusts uh, because we actually decay this is the judgment upon the godless rich like the man you know in the two parables that jesus christ gave you know death came to both of them at the end of the day and the riches actually remained so death separates a rich man from his money because, you know, when a rich man dies, he doesn't take anything with him. And James here is condemning the godless rich for hoarding money. Um, you know, when there's so much poverty, you can see the extremes. There's so much poverty in life. There's so much, you know, injustice. You know, this man defrauded so many people to get to where he is, stepped on so many to toes. So when a man makes a million, you know, he's not satisfied. And it's just human nature. He's not satisfied with it. He wants to make more. But this 
doesn't make them happy. Riches has, have never made anyone happy. You know, you find the richest man here on earth just would just want one hour of um, peace. You know, instead of like his phone constantly ringing, he's constantly worried about like what's going to happen, what if the stock market crashes, what if there's a drought, what if there's a depression and things like that. Then they're just never happy. So God gave wealth not to be hoarded, but to be dispensed. So the rich man in the parable who built bigger barns and wanted to store his goods and fruits, um, you know, he, it's just selfishness. That's just inherent in us, but you can only eat and drink so much. You know, after the first million that you make, you know, the rest is actually not useful. It's something that, you know, you can't use. And that's why Jesus Christ called this man who built a bigger barn a fool. He should have shared his, um, you know, bounty harvest. He should have shared it, but he wanted to hoard it because as a rich man, he wanted more and more and was thinking he was going to be happy. Verse 4 goes on to read, Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Sabaoth. Sabaoth, yeah, Sabaoth. So here, you know, he condemns the godless rich not only for hoarding, but for making money in a dishonest way. You know, how are you making your money today? How are you making your living today? So they have robbed the poor to actually just get rich. And you know they are holding on to um to 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 the uh, to their riches and they're not sharing their riches and today you know this is the biggest form of discrimination you find it's not even racism and all it's not about color or whatever it is it's the gap between the rich and the poor and we can find this in Proverbs twenty two verse oops let me just turn to Proverbs twenty two verse. Seven, it talks, you know, in a language like this. Um, it reads, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. So, you know, it's talking about, you know, people are making their money in a dishonest way and, you know, just kind of like um, oppressing the poor. So God condemns a godless man who makes money in a dishonest way, especially by putting down children God's children, God will do something later. You know, he's going to um, do something later. Here, verse 6, it says, you have, condemn you have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. So right now, he does not resist them. They're getting by with it. So, verse 5 goes on to read, you have lived on the earth in, lux in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. So here is another point of condemnation. So they spend their money, you know, in a sinful manner. How do they spend their money? So they don't only hoard or squander. Um, they don't only hoard and squander their money. They also um, are misers. And we have this in Proverbs 18. It talks about a miser. So Proverbs 18, verse 11 reads... Um, just turn there. It reads, The rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his own esteem. So they just keep, 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 and they're thinking, Oh, they're going to be happy, but they never get happy with, um, with the money. And 
and all. And we also have this in, um, it talks about the same thing in Proverbs 28, verse 11. It reads, um, The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor man who has understanding searches him out. So, you know, they feel like, oh, hey, I'm rich. I can do anything. I don't need God. So these were, you know, the two godless men God told about in Scripture. And these wanted to live it up. So one wanted to store away and use it in his old age. And, you know, the rich man in Lazarus' story as well, in Lazarus' day, he was living it up at that particular time. So God resisted him at that particular time, but his day is coming. So if you decide to live um, for this life only and store up for this life only, God says you are a fool. I didn't say it. Scripture says so. Verse 6 of um, James 5 reads, You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. So here God does not interfere now. He, you know, we live in a horrible doggy dog world where, you know, um, going up the ladder of riches, you know, you step on other people, you make your money in a dishonest way. But, you know, God, you know, his time will come. We can't change this world, but God came, can and he actually is going to do it. So let us be thankful that, you know, um, ungrateful um, and live for, 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 for God. Let us, um, you know, let us. Let us live a godly life and let us not live for the now because these are things that will, you know, come to pass. They'll perish. Um, you know, you, you accumulate all these things and you hoard and you, you, you know, you just want more and more wealth and you leave God out of it. Um, God will come and, um, you know, all these things are things that are earthly and they will just come to pass and they will pass away, you know, um, and, and corrode. So let us live for God now. And, you know, let us always, um, you know, not plan for the future without God in it. Let us always plan for the future, you know, knowing, um, asking God to will it. So, yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening. And God bless and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.